everyone, thank you very much for joining us uh, for this Tech for Sustainability live chat. We're joined here by Mesba, who's the founder of Circularize. They're working to bring transparency to supply chains and particularly uh, using blockchain and DLT infrastructure to improve the recycling of plastic, amongst other, other things. So Mesba will introduce himself. Just a very quick thank you and huge shout out to Tracer for, for sponsoring this series. So they're a, a connected value chain platform, so working to foster innovation and sustainable business practice and ethical work in the um, traceability and authenticity of natural diamonds to ensure mining communities are well looked after and to ensure the traceability and authenticity of that diamond. So anyone can find out more at community.tracer.com. That's T-R-A-C-R. So huge thank you to Tracer for supporting this series. And Mesbo, thank you very much for joining us. Looking forward to hearing more. To everyone who has joined, we've got a, a chat function at the bottom of your screen where you can post any comments at all. And someone's already asked for the recording, so that will be emailed out afterwards to everyone who did register. And there's also a Q&A function at, at the bottom of your screen. So any questions at any stage, do post them in there. We try and make these as interactive as possible. So do post any questions at any stage in the Q&A and we'll get those all asked, answered um, for you. We'll give you a chance to, to ask them directly to, to Mesbah himself. So Mesbah, thank you very much for joining. Yeah, thank you, Erica, for having me. It's, it's great being part of this community. I'm looking forward to getting to know some of the people here. So if if everybody can see my screen and, and, and everything is set up correctly, I'm uh, just going to start to introduce myself and uh, yeah, head, head, cool. head off. Okay. All right. So uh, my name is Mesba. I am one of the founders of Circularize. And Circularize is really the, the baby of my graduation project. So... Four years ago, I was graduating at the Delft University of Technology here in the Netherlands. That's what I did my bachelor's about um, like 10 years ago now. And, and, and very quickly, as an industrial product designer, saw that circular economy is one of the most important things and, and, and really captured my, my, my heart there. And I was, I was trying to put circular economy in any kind of design project that I was doing. And eventually when I was graduating, I, I really looked at some of the problems that, that arise when you know you design a product and eventually it's at the end of life, you throw throw it away. What happens with that with that with that product, right? And I was looking at at mostly at the electronics, electronic products like fridges and, and, and displays and, and, and smartphones. And, and, and one of the things that I saw when I was doing this research at the university is uh, if you throw away your laptop today, it goes to a recycling facility. And these guys have, especially in Europe and, 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 and everywhere in the world, really, uh, they have all kinds of requirements that they need to understand the, when it comes to the material and its composition in order to make an informed decision. So it's just about additives, about you know the flame retardants, for example, or other things like hazardous materials, et cetera. But the problem that I saw is that none of them really understood anything about their products. Like all they knew was it might have something. This is like an old smartphone. This is a, a, a fairly old display, but if it's uh, you know looking like this, it might be a little bit newer. So we don't expect these materials. So it was a lot of guesswork um, and above all, they were using screwdrivers and, and hammers and like opening up products one by one to literally verify if something was in there or not. Uh, so this this problem was was quite obvious that, that there's a huge lack of, of, of information at the end of life. 
and we decided to, to, to test that. So we decided to see what happens if we do provide that information. In a simulation, obviously, it's not an easy thing to, to, to solve. And we did a simulation with one of these recycling companies, an Italian one in the Milan area, where we took about 50 end-of-life flat screen monitors uh, and we simulated a, a, a situation where uh, a number of these products would have a, a label on them and that could be scanned and that label could give uh, a, a lot of different attributes to, to, the, to these guys in terms of the material composition, etc. And what we found is that after about four hours in these, these guys who were usually doing the sorting and, and recycling were about three times more efficient, as well as the fact that they could make sorting decisions that were previously impossible and, and, and a lot of guesswork. And it could improve their material value a lot. And what we, what we decided to do then about four years ago is to figure out a way to bring transparency and, and into their supply chains and one of the things that we saw is that there is a lot of issues around trust as well as around privacy and confidentiality of data. So that's what we decided to build. It's a, it's a tool that can really enable companies to become transparent without really risking your competitive advantage or, or, or any other sensitive data and your identity and to really enable this in, in a long term. Obviously, you know, helping becoming more transparent to, to aid recycling companies is one thing, but why should a company start doing that today? And so we developed this tool and then and, and we're really validating it over the course of a few years where eventually we figured that as an OEM, a lot of them are making the, these, these statements, these, these hard commitments to you know get away from, from virgin plastic or whether that's using renewable or recycled content in their product for X percent. And, and uh, we, we decided to focus on, on this specific product stream first, which is, which is plastics, and, and, and bring transparency to OEMs and to prove that you know, whatever they're claiming that they, that they want to do or whatever their targets are, uh, that they're actually reaching them. Obviously, the, the, the big problem here is that being an OEM, you have very bad feasibility beyond your tier one suppliers. So you oftentimes, and I've spoken with, with, with basically the, the largest OEMs out there, like household names that have difficulty understanding whether a material that they're, that they're you know, sourcing according to spec is actually being used because they don't know. The only way to know that right now is to either have uh, a few people go into the field and start auditing them like manually or to ask for some sort of certification or, or a proof using email. And obviously there is a lot of inefficiencies uh, as well as fraud and, and, and errors happening here and there. So a lot of these brands are looking for ways to get that supply chains more transparent in order to also prove that they're, that they're reaching their sustainability targets. But the thing was that Many OEMs, you know, they have hundreds, sometimes thousands of suppliers, tier one, and then, you know, go to tier two, it goes exponentially. So how can we bring that from an OEM's perspective? So what we decided to do is really turn the table, to turn the image around and say, okay, what is the problem that a resin supplier has? What is the problem that if you're a resin supplier, do they also have an, have an issue? And, and, and the thing is that a lot of these resin suppliers, like upstream manufacturers, have a 
portfolio of sustainable materials, or at least they're in heavily investing in, 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 their, in that portfolio. But the exact same problem is also there. They have their tier two, tier four customers who they don't know where, where the material will go to. So even between them and the final OEM, there's, there's bad, bad feasibility. And they need that feasibility in order to prove that their materials are actually sustainable and therefore really get the value of that material because else uh, their competitors and everybody else is also just simply saying, you know, claiming that to have similar materials. Uh, and the issue with sustainable polymer versus a non-sustainable one is that you can't see it afterwards. You have to have the proof at the source. You can just have a look at it and say, this this material is more sustainable than, than, than something else. So very briefly, I mean, you guys are all familiar with blockchain. So what we do is we really create a digital uh, token for every batch of material and, and mass balance that for every kilogram, there is a unique token that is, you know, the, the amount is, is equal to the, to the total batch amount. And we add all kinds of data points to that to prove that that digital version is manufactured in a sustainable fashion, right? And Initially, it's it's on a mass balance level only. So if you, if you if you are familiar with chain of custody models, there's many different ways to to bring transparency. And one one of, one of the uh, core things that we bring is by by default a mass balance approach that could be topped off and 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 added with with, with additional technologies like tracers and chemical DNAs to uh, really make that chain of custody into a identity preservation one where the link between this is, between the digital and the physical is really really strong but out of the box it's it's a mass balance approach and the nice thing is that um, these digital twins can be created very easily on our platform where you can show what kind of a facility you have what kind of certificates you have you upload them in in, in the dashboard or through our APIs and by combining things like transaction documents, shipping manifests, etc., uh, we can make the case that that batch that you're about to create is actually sustainable and, and it was actually pre- present there. Uh, and once that digital version is created, it kind of goes through that supply chain in a very similar fashion as the physical item would be. So you can, you know, most of the suppliers that we work with, they have a QR code that they put on the bank. That QR code references back to the digital version. And the customer who is receiving that, they can just scan the QR code and immediately access the digital version as well. And let's say you're receiving resin, you're a converter, and you're injection molding that into a product, a part of the of a product. You can scan the QR code and injection mold the digital version as well, right? And and the way that happens is that you you basically define input the process as well as output and by knowing what kind of an input and output you have we can see what kind of a efficiencies you're allowed to have so therefore we're calculating the mass balance basically on chain and making sure that nobody can cheat with it beyond certain uh, certain restrictions and eventually that that you know can go from part of material to part to the final product and as an oem you can for every purchase order basically figure out how that material came to be in every single step you know that the mass balance is correct and you know that whatever material was created and and made transparent in a system was done according to a minimum level of transparency and and data in terms of uh, validation and, and and the third parties that were behind that so this is really what, what we enable for an OEM out of the box to have that level of transparency without understanding exactly 
who each and every of these parties are in terms of their identity and what kind of a transaction details they have. So they will not understand those things. And they will also not see the exact like material declarations of each and every of these parties. Uh, and I'll come to that in a second, how, how we do make that transparent. But, but this is like the, the general approach. And then depending on the OEM and, and brand, you could think of ways of getting that data, extracting that, and then showing that to a consumer, right? So we recently pushed a project by, with Porsche where Porsche and, and, and together with us developed the, this, this consumer-facing application that showed that for certain parts of this specific car, the materials were chosen in a sustainable fashion and they were manufactured using renewable sources instead of uh, virgin oil, for example. And then we calculated using third-party validated LCA data what kind of an impact that have that has uh, compared to traditional methods of, 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 of manufacturing. So we could show that in a, in a second as well. So there's a bunch of companies that we work with today, mostly. So if you go back to that supply chain, like that, that circular, circular uh, chain here, mostly it's it's starting at like polymer manufacturing and ending at the OEM level. Obviously, we could start and end anywhere. And we're stepping like um, stepping for the first time also in in, in actual waste collection etc as well where we the traceability is beyond the, the manufacturing of the polymers but also uh, we know where the waste was collected if it's post consumer recycled uh, let's say yeah so that's 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 just a little bit of an overview of of, of the companies that we work with strong focus on polymers right now but we do also work a little bit with other 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 materials like like tex- textiles and 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 as well as metals but but the majority of the focus is today on on chemicals and plastics i would say yeah these these are so some some testimonials from some companies that are that are working with them to really prove like to to show what kind of a value it brings right so uh, many of these companies they struggle selling that their sustainable material which they have heavily invested in for for a right price because there is no proof or there is no differenti- differentiating factor between their material and you know after you've gone through a few tiers of, of suppliers between their material and the material of a competitor and by by adding that digital identity and and and, and a complete proof uh, history they could get that differentiating factor and, and effectively increase their material value yeah, so a little bit on, on on the transparency models. As I said before, we're really out of the box operating from a you know mass balance approach, and connect that data with with third party validated information from like auditors. We do work in certain cases together with some tracer providers. So we're talking about chemical tracers or artificial DNA, if you will, that you can inject into the material, and that has a very unique pattern that you can that you can scan or recognize. We're just connecting that to the digital version. So that would allow you to go from a mass balance approach to a more identity preservation system. So if I zoom in on this part here on the right, you see that. A mass balance approach, and, and I'm sure some of you are familiar with this, is, is really understanding what's getting into a facility and what could get out. But you don't know what's happening in that facility, right? So for all you know, they buy four types of material, two of them are sustainable, but you re- don't really know if they are you know, selling for, if they actually use that for in, in the same materials as, as, they, as they claim to be, because you, you, you don't have feasibility within a facility 24 seven. So 
this is this is the like the mass balance approach, which is different from certificate trading where somebody is doing something here, let's say uh, green energy, right? So we're, we're planting a tree here, but that doesn't really make your flight more green. So that is not what we're doing. We're, we're not allowing anybody to make a claim on something they have not, not purchased. And, and the majority of that is prevented by connecting them to actual purchase orders from shipping manifests, et cetera, from both sides. And in case of an artificial DNA, if you would add that, you can actually go to an identity preservation system where if you buy material X and you claim that you have used material X in your products, somebody can you know use a scanner or, or a, another identifier of some sort. Usually it's like a spectrometer or sometimes you have to send it to a lab and they can detect if that material is the same or not. But it's really use case dependent. So that's a little bit on, on that part. In terms of privacy, the way we operate is that we do everything on a public blockchain, on a public permissionless blockchain, actually it's the Ethereum one. But the problem there is if we're talking about, you know, bit of materials, et cetera, nobody's really going to put that on there, right? Because even if you use like computationally hiding encryption, somebody could like get that, get that hash and start trying to decrypt that in the long run, they will, they will succeed uh, as long as they have enough computational power. But if you combine that with, with zero-knowledge proofs, you get to this interesting area where the trust in the ledger is extremely high. So you know that the mass balance and the data is extremely, extremely valid. But at the same time, you, you can protect and cater to very sensitive data, which we're mostly talking about in, in, in the case of chemicals where the you know the additives and the composition is is highly highly you know scientific art so to say so they're not really sharing that and to be able to to combine that is is very very interesting we have seen and that's also exactly where we hold a patent on doing you know exactly that on on a public blockchain and the way it works very conceptually is that Instead of actually sharing any kind of data or an encryption for data, we're not doing any of that. We're making a commitment based on that data on a public blockchain. So the commitment itself is living on a blockchain. And by allowing somebody else to ask a statement on top of that commitment, we can computationally see if your answer to that to that question is correct based on that commitment and basically prove that, you know, the product does not contain this or the product does not contain that. And it's not only yes or no type of questions, but we can also have range questions where you know it's the material composition does not contain more than X parts per million of material Z, let's say. So you can do these types of questions as well without really ever seeing that, that data where it's based on. And the nice thing is that once you have that, let's say the bill of materials and you do a commitment on chain, you can have that commitment validated and, and audited by a third party. So you know whatever answer they're after generating using that commitment will always be valid and, and, and trusted as long as you trust the third party, obviously. Yeah, so that's a little bit on, on what I wanted to discuss. And yeah, I would like to open up the questions and, and the Q and A here. I have a bunch of other slides that we can go through, and depending on what what what, what kind of questions you, you guys have. So, again, thank you for having me, and I'm looking forward to to engaging with you more. 
mute myself so no thank you very much Ms. well there's a few questions in there i'll get on to everyone else's first i've got a bunch of my own but it will get on to everyone else's for everyone who did miss the intro we've got a q a function at the bottom of this chat please do post any questions in in the q a we'll get those all asked to you tommy is just asking a first initial question he's a dummy question here what's a mass balance approach if you could explain that. Yeah, so, so, so a mass balance approach is, as I illustrate here, is, you know, you've got a basically three different types of, of, of doing chain of custody, right? So if you really want to understand where something is coming from, you need to map that full mm -hmm. chain. And you could do that in a different in a different ways, and and the, the idea behind mass balance is that if you you know are a operating a sort of facility, if you buy ten kilograms of material, you can't claim that you have used fifteen kilograms of material, right? Mm -hmm. So we we cater for inputs of the of 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 a facility, and by knowing certain restrictions we you know what could be the output mm -hmm. the only thing the only downside of a mass balance is, is if you buy two types of let's say grades of uh, polyester one is mm -hmm. recycled one is virgin and from both you you you're buying five kilograms five kilograms recycled polyester five kilograms virgin polyester and you're manufacturing this product that also contains five kilograms of polyester there is no proof that uh, there is no way to prove whether you use the version one or a recycled one, right? The only thing we know in a mass balance situation is that you can't use more than five because you have you didn't buy more than five, right? So if you buy five, uh, you can't claim that you have all of a sudden uh, manufactured ten kg of, of recycled polyester materials. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's mass balanced, and in in a lot of cases that's enough. In certain cases, you really need to go to once one step higher to an identity preservation system where you can check if they actually use the recycled one versus the version one. Mm -hmm. And for that, you need to identify the types of material in one way or another. Cool. Thank you. Tyler is asking if you could please just explain a little bit more about the, what, what's driving the, the need to go for more sort of provably recycled plastic or provably sustainable is it any large regulations that are driving this that brands and retailers have to comply with that they could use your platform for or is it is it a sentiment is it a, a desire to be more sustainable or is it more regulation driven i would say there are two things within europe regulation is definitely there and it's growing mm -hmm. but we haven't seen any traction so far due to regulation mm -hmm. uh, i think that will come so like over 90, 95% of, of, the, of the reason why companies are engaging with us today is that they see that sustainability gives them an edge, right? So mm -hmm. if you can sell a product on a market and you can claim that it's sustainable mm -hmm. and you can also prove that it's sustainable, that's where they want to be, right? So they, 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 they don't want to make a statement saying my pr products are sustainable uh, without the proof because right. that would put their brand image on, uh, mm -hmm. uh, on the line if somebody could prove that that's not the case. So they want to do their their their, their best in, in gathering the proof before they make a statement. And it's, it's, it really comes down to like marketing and consumer value, mm -hmm. right? So the, the more demand there is from consumers for sustainable materials, the, the, the more these companies are going to look into these kind of solutions. Sure. 
Do you have any information about the sort of the price differentiation, the added value that something that's provably sustainable adds, and also in terms of supply and demand, what what mm-hmm. sort of quantities there are of of plastic or of materials that are provably sustainable relative to how much plastic is used or how much sustainable plastic and other materials people want? Yeah, unfortunately, the amount of proven sustainable plastics is almost zero today. Uh, at least, in, if you, if you if you really want to prove it in 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 our way, if you want to go to you know the existing framework of exchanging emails and PDF and Excel sheets, sure, there is a, a portion of that material that is sustainable. But but even in even if like the if you look at the total polymer production in the world, about eight percent only is recycled today. So the majority is still virgin and oil based, and there is not not a lot of need to like prove that that's oil based and and mm-hmm. virgin. So we we really see this in this market growing, and 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 if you look at the CAGR, it's it's, it's extremely extremely of high potential, I would say. And yeah, to 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 come back to your earlier question, like you you ask something else as well, right on on. What was it the? Uh, well, if there's a, a price differential, the price difference, yeah. So, so oh, what, what sort of premium is, is, there is? Yeah, there, there, there is a premium that we have seen in in certain use cases. One is, for example, within within fashion, where we see about a fifteen percent premium, fifteen mm-hmm. percent premium being accepted by consumers without without you know going into a niche market. In other cases, we have seen. 30, 35%, but these are uh, harder numbers to really prove yet. I would mm-hmm. say these are mostly based on like large studies done by consultants, et cetera, where, where they think this is this is you know what consumers are, are claiming. But we I, I would say it's it's a little bit early today to already put a hard number on it for most mm-hmm. use cases. But that that extra premium is definitely there. Okay, thank you. Marriott is asking, how do you connect your data with the physical material, physical product or manufacturer? And that's the age old question of of blockchain, of course, once something's on chain, you can track it. How do you prove the the data that you add to to the blockchain? Yeah, so that really comes back again to 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 this system of chain of custody, right? So if you're doing a mass balance approach, you don't need to connect with the physical material in mm-hmm. in in a, in a obviously i mean we do put a qr code on a, on a bag if it's like a bag of polymer but what stops the you know the, the next party in the chain to like use another polymer and just scan that qr code For right sure. so th- th- that's the essence of mass balance you you, mm-hmm. you can't know the only way you can know is if you can identify the material you can, you can after the, the the fact you can actually mm-hmm. check whether they use that material and for that you you can't do that with blockchain you you, you need a physical solution so we do partner with, with with some companies like one 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 of them is a chemical tracer company from germany that basically depending on the material they like sprinkle this chemical dna that has a very unique spectrometer that you can measure and connect to the digital version on the blockchain so yeah it's out of the box we're not doing that so the only thing we know is that you can't receive these digital mm-hmm. uh, materials unless you have proof that you've bought it and you could like um, attach uh, purchase orders to that from both sides like a purchase order as well as an invoice and make sure that 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 is happening and then you can like connect that to like financial audit reports to really make sure that that transaction actually happened but you will never be 100% sure unless you chemically inject the material or in a, in another way mm-hmm. 
identified physical asset in an indestructible way, so to say. Cool, that makes sense. Well, similar to that note, Tom is asking about how accurately can synthetic DNA distinguish between multiple sources of the same type of material, such as virgin versus recycled polyester within the same product. And can that highlight the ratio between the two, for example? The, the, the chemical filter that we have experience with is, the nice thing is you can scan it with a handheld scanner, but you wouldn't be able to scan the exact quantity. If you send it to a lab, you can. So then you could say, okay, we're going to put 25% or 25% prom, like 0.25% of, of tracer in this material in terms of mass. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, see if that is still the case afterwards by sending it to a lab. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's been watered down and you know now it's like 15%, right? So again, without going too much into the tracer details, mm-hmm. because we're not really doing that, we're you know, helping or connecting with these with these innovations whenever it's possible. But the majority of, of the industries that we work with right now, I would say it's more than enough to have a mass balance approach only just because there is such a uh, such a huge gap in transparency at, the, at this moment. No, thanks. And uh, I've got a few questions around that note about how far you can use uh, blockchain for the transparency. Do you have a sort of cradle to cradle available as a product certification? New platform someone is asking and and got a Peter asking again about if blockchain can be used from collection up right up to integration in, in new products. How far can you go to, to prove that you're on mute? Uh sorry, I, I don't so. <laughs> really see any any like limitations of how far we can go. The only places where it really becomes hard to do a mass balance calculation is 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 when there are you know very very base chemical reactions etc. Where it's you know not necessarily one kg in and less than one kg out. Sometimes you there is a chemical reaction and you put one kg in and there is five kg coming out. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, by by just reacting with air and other other substances. So it's. It's those cases where the mass balance approach is a little bit harder to do today. But again, there are a lot of initiatives where this is being pushed right now and, and there are methodologies to do that calculation in a correct way. So I, as, as, as far as the mass balance chain of custody and traceability in our platform goes, I don't see any limitations in terms of how, how many times we can do, do the traceability and where we should like where, where, we, where we can start or end the traceability. Mm-hmm. And a couple more interesting question from Mark asking about what companies and countries are leading the change for provable sustainability. Who's driving it? Yeah, so it's, it's it's mostly the pioneers, obviously, of this industry, where you have material manufacturers who are heavily investing in a, in a, in a portfolio that is uh, consisting of sustainable materials. And then the brands on the other side who are actually sourcing these materials and they, mm-hmm. they, they, they unlock this potential of, of extra premium to be added. So we, we see the majority of the traction in, 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 the, in the fashion mm-hmm. industry. There's a lot going on in food, but we really don't, don't want to touch that because it's, it's, it's a little bit different to, to, to do those, those mm-hmm. things there. So we, we see other, others jumping on that market, uh, as well as automotive, where there's also a lot happening in our case. For buying recycled plastic, for, for, for buying recycled plastic, and then proving, proving that that you know that, that a car mm-hmm. has less of a carbon emission during its production due to this fact. Right. Interesting question from 
somebody for the other side of, of where areas you're looking at how accessible is blockchain technology to recyclers in less industrialized countries and um, considering that most plastic waste from the eu is exported abroad it's that easily scalable in, in a lot of other countries that maybe don't have the same technology as, as london or or netherlands for example yeah, that, that, that's a funny question because we we just did a hackathon over the weekend, and that's exactly the problem that we that we were trying to solve. Like, how how do you bring this kind of transparency to areas where you know there is not a lot of tech tech infrastructure, etc. And 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 this is what we, what we did as well, where we figured there is a number of ways that you can help get these these these, uh, these customers on on board at, at less developed areas where you know there's plastic collection, etc. And, and coastal areas. And it's a combination, I would say. It's it's mm-hmm. not that that directly using our, our APIs and blockchain, etc., from that point point onwards would be the solution. It's is it's just tapping on at the right moment. Uh, for example, like collection points or recycling companies who are buying it to to get that traceability going. And it's obviously not really possible today to have you know those those scavengers on on, on the field to to start using mm-hmm. this as well so you you gotta skip some parts of, of, of the chain just due to a lack of of, of infrastructure mm-hmm. a couple of interesting questions from adriana so first of all is your company or any other able to offer certification to a company that is is offering a sort of truly circular economy product I mean, in theory, we could, but we try to stay away from that. We really see ourselves as like an information highway where we enable companies to communicate data from point A to point B in a very, very trustworthy environment. But we don't do any certifications ourselves. We really rely on existing certification and auditing and and other kind of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And she's also saying that some experts have, have believed or say that the availability of recycled material has just encouraged more production of, of, of consumption and therefore it's sort of increased production of CO2. Is there anything to that, do you think? I've certainly heard of factories in China. I think we had a live chat with Plastic Bank and they said that there's factories in China that create new virgin plastic and then recycle it in inverted commas and then sell that on because it's cheaper and that's created a whole new business of, of creating new uh, fake exactly, recycled exactly. plastic. I, I, I would say that's exactly the problem that we're trying to solve, right? So the problem that we're sure. trying to solve is that somebody could literally take virgin plastic, put it into in, into a shredder and all of a sudden it's recycled plastic and, and could sell that into the into the market as, 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 as if it's mm-hmm. recycled plastic. Because again, you can't see it, right? So by having the right certifications and, and, and transparency all the way to that raw material where, where that come, comes from, we, we can try to start preventing that as mm-hmm. much as possible. And, and yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't be able to, 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 to say whether you know, this whole move, movement to recycle plastic has, has, has made a change uh, in, in terms of mm-hmm. usage, uh, et cetera. I, I'm not aware of any of these exact numbers. The only thing that I am aware of is that it really doesn't make sense to invest in a you know sustainable supply chain as an OEM or a brand if you can't prove it. There, there, there's no point usually in buying a sustainable material that might be uh, more expensive if you don't have the proof, and then it doesn't and, and it, it makes even less sense to use that then in in your communication externally because there's such a high risk attached to it. So I think proving that and, and getting that chain of custody 
in a very trustworthy environment is one of the key things that will unlock this transition towards recycled materials because else we see a lot of brands just being hesitant on moving towards recycled materials if they they don't have the proof. For sure. And then also they can't get the premium. Yeah, exactly. If you can't talk about it, why? uh, Yeah, then you can ask it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Bruno is asking, what future do you see for blockchain within the scope of the European law for circularity and sustainability? Oh, that's a tough question. I, You're not a European lawyer, but... I'm not. I'm not. I mean, we are a little bit involved in, in, in that, you know, political scene and not too much, though. We try to stay away as a mm-hmm. startup, stay away from that <laughs> as, as the timeframes are really not aligning with, with our frequency, so to say. But what we do see is that about four years ago, when we started this 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 whole journey, there was a lot of push towards centralized transparency. I would say mm-hmm. within Europe, as well as a lot of lobbying against that fact. Mm-hmm. And now we have seen this whole blockchain agenda evolving, where I mean, this is is, is a one to one solution basically to that to that issue of. Mm-hmm. You, we want transparency, but who's going to be the administrator of that, right? How 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 can we get that to the to the industry without um, risking everybody's privacy and confidential data, and putting it in the hands of one select company? So yeah, doing it that way and 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 seeing the the blockchain agenda emerge is really interesting. But yeah, as I said, we're not trying to be too much involved in that political agenda there. Sure, for sure. I'm sure it's asking how you market your services. How will you? get awareness of this first of all it increased so that companies are firstly aware of the problem of, of plastic and of the problems around recycled plastic and the need to actually use provably recycled plastic for example mm. how do you market that and how do you yeah. uh, promote the, the sale of res- truly recycled plastics yeah I, I i think the nice thing is that the majority of the uh, companies that we work with they already recognize this because what what's mm-hmm. hap- what's happening usually is that there is like a ceo or a board that is saying in 20 years time or in 5 years time sometimes even in in, in 10 years time we're going to be not using virgin plastics at all and going to transition to recycled plastics mm-hmm. and then there is this whole sustainability department who's like how are we going to prove that? How are we going to make sure that this is the case without, you know, putting uh, everything we do on, on the line, especially if it's like a public company? And so, I, I don't think we 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 really need to like educate brands that this is a problem. It's it's mostly educating them that the solution is feasible, right? That that, that there is a feasible solution to do that, which is better in 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 one way or another than the traditional email exchange solution. I would say. Mm-hmm. Cool. I've got a few technical questions from Yanis, who I can always count on to pose some difficult technical questions. So first of all, do you handle co-mingled commodities in agri-supply chains? If so, how do you handle mass balance integrity? Could, could you come again? Yep. Do you handle co-mingled commodities in agri Tell you what, let me just... Yanis, um, just allowing you to talk, if you can hear this. Yanis, I'll allow you to, to pose your own questions if, if you're there. Just give him a minute, maybe. Sorry, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, the question is about commingled commodities because I know you do mass balance. So I was wondering if you are dealing with 
agricultural supply chains. Well, most of the time it's in the, in the chain of custody, their mass balance systems have commingled commodities. So, you know, deeper, different kind of grains or mixed together in the same silo. Do you, do you handle that situation? And so how, how do you ensure integrity? Thank you. Yeah, I, I think that's also one of the reasons we're not involved too much in, in agriculture and, 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 and these kind of, kind of supply chains. The majority of the focus today is really in, in chemicals and polymers, mostly also within that space on, on like engineering plastics. Uh, but yeah, like, like, well, as I said, like, just because by design it's a mass balance approach, you, you, you can't, like, you can't prevent somebody using the same silo for two different materials and like mixing it up. It's, it's by just by a mass balance blockchain, like software solution only, that is impossible, right? You, you, you wouldn't, you, you, you can make it harder for them to do that by, you know, connecting that with all kinds of documents in terms of inflow, outflow, and then and all kinds of data points on SAP that you can, you can really start making sure that that, ha- that, 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 that it's not easy to do that but you will never be able to prevent that. So yeah, the, the claims that we're also getting out of the box from this system will, not, will never be a claim on that final material. It will always have an asterisk saying this is a mass balance approach, right? So, and for certain, certain use cases, again, we see that that claim is not good enough. So we work together with chemical tracers and, 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 and other identification technologies, which makes the product even more you know, having an even higher premium and, and, and a price tag, uh, but it sometimes makes sense to do that where you're not only creating the digital mass balance approach, but you're connecting that with the, some sort of like a chemical tracer in the material. And then, and, and we, 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 one of the chemical tracer companies that we work with also provides edible tracers. So you can actually put that on food as well, uh, and you would be able to track that in that manner. And then by knowing the quantity of tracer and by by scanning that you know that you know somebody may have been mixing them up in the same silo and and you can account for that and the nice thing about uh, this movement is that you can connect that with kinds of like on-site sensors so you know you know whenever it's leaving a facility or entering a facility you can you do a quick check on the on the on the digital twin and see if that matches whatever you're you're getting in the physical world in terms of the chemical tracer and if that matches you can say okay now it's approved you can enter the facility basically. cool thank you um Yanis, you had a couple more questions whilst you're on you sorry so yeah i was mute yeah i mean uh, maybe we can skip the one with the uh, the, the, the zk proof <laughs> i think that's a bit uh, technical but i was wondering maybe you already touched on that Mesbah. you say that you don't really match or validate your your data, your chain of custody data with external certification data. Is that is that correct assumption? Because you said you don't want to touch certification, or is that uh, no? Direction? We don't we don't want we don't want to be the certifi- certifying company. We do rely on existing certification infrastructure. In fact, there is it's not possible to create a digital twin of a bag of material, so to say, uh, without having that certification in order and in place. So whatever data enters our system, it needs to be certified either by existing certification infrastructure, audit reports, or sometimes we also have certification bodies certifying the digital twins on-chain directly. Well, thanks. Tyler is asking, similar to certification, but standardization, what needs 
are there to have a, a standardized set of codes to refer to the commodities that you want to track, uh, sort of a common language for brands and retailers? And in general, is there any standardization across things like recycled plastic? Are there such such grades and standards to conform to, to, to make are, it easier uh, for brands and retailers to know what they want to buy? Yeah, yeah, there, there are standards around you know, the definition of recycled content, definition of post-consumer, definition of post-industrial, chemical recycled, uh, renewable, uh, you know, bio-based, et cetera. We do see them develop because some of them are very outdated or not, not really up to, up, to, up to what we need today. That, that is one set of standards that we are not really pushing. We, we, we again, you know, make use of existing infrastructure on in, in what is recycled content and how do you, how do you measure the impact, et cetera. The part of standardization where we push, and it's, it's actually a great question because we do see that there is a lack of standardization and we don't think it's feasible to say CircleRise is going to be, you know, the go-to solution for every single supplier, for every single material mm-hmm. out there. Because if you're talking about like one brand, which might be an automotive brand, they're sourcing from almost every single type of industry, right? They're sourcing polymers, uh, plastics, and they're so, so sourcing metals, uh, textiles, whatever. So in order to, to get to that standard, we are pushing an, an open protocol agenda, very much similar to other open open internet standards, where you have a, an open protocol that we're right now developing together with the, with the consortium of, of partners that we have in, from the industry. Mm-hmm. And you have commercial implementations similar to like email, right? You have different email clients. They all work together and they all talk together because they're using this open protocol infrastructure. And that is what we're aiming to set here as well. So companies are not having some sort of a fender locking from day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, they can just you know see what commercial implementation makes sense for them. And we hopefully also will see a lot of different commercial implementations for mm-hmm. different niche markets, but always ensuring that they work together. Which also comes back to the open blockchain uh, story, right? The public blockchain. Like it's it's a lot harder to pull this off with a closed blockchain. Sure, Gautam is asking, what are the most promising means of of physical tracing? Is it is it the chemicals that you mentioned, or is there anything else that's that's coming into play? It's mostly chemicals upstream, I would say. But when it comes to downstream, you see a lot of innovation in terms of, let's say patterns that you can put in a mold before injection molding. And then there is some sort of a very, very hard to see with a naked eye pattern on, on a product that you can see and scan with, let's say, a um, smartphone, because the camera can just slightly detect that, mm-hmm. and you can put an algorithm on it, and then it will, there will be like an invisible barcode on a product. But this is mostly for products that are already in the final shape. Anything upstream where the shape is constantly changing from a chemical liquid to like a polymer pellet and then mm-hmm. a, a compound, uh, those are usually either done with tracers like, like, that, like that, or you have to work with a system of like seals but those are not perfect. Like mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 a little bit easier to cheat with those. I would say. Yeah, and is this, this sort of the physical tracing? Is that crucial for the success of it working? In the long term, I would say yes. In the short term, especially if you're looking at certain industries, the amount of transparency that they have is so little mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that that like mass balance approaches only without any kind of physical tracer is already such a big step for them, right? It will it will take them a couple of years to get there. Mm-hmm. So I don't see it as 
something that will in, get introduced in these markets quickly, but it is something that will will get there eventually. But also, many use cases of these um, tracers are too expensive or not flexible enough for some use cases. I mean, one of the things that we have seen is that there are almost no tracers out there that you can develop per like a unique tracer per batch. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they're very limited in terms of unique t- types of tracers that you can develop. So you end up having to use the same tracer over and over again for different mm-hmm. batches of material, which obviously kind of contradicts the, 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 the principle again. So yeah, I, I would say in the coming years, we're going to see a lot of innovation in, in the blockchain-only space. And then slowly but surely, tracers will be added defend, depending on how, how the industry is going to adopt that. But I don't see it as a as like a must thing at this at this point of time. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, you've talked obviously a lot about plastic. What what is what is next? Are there any other sort of particular products that you're looking to go into next, or where where do you think this technology could go? Yeah. So if you're talking about an open protocol, it can go everywhere. Hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, we we have other vendors, other other commercial implementations on top of the same same mm-hmm. system that Tom's that, just know, asked catered. about this applying to food, for example. Uh, yeah, we, we could do that as well. But again, food is not something we are really keen on in, in mm-hmm. diving into because it it really doesn't come down to the, to the technology. It, it all comes down to understanding the market, the players, the needs, and, and the way they operate. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's much more of that. And when it comes to food, you're often talking with many, many, many different small farmers, et cetera, which is a completely different world than these billion-dollar chemical companies, right? So. Yeah, it's a different field, and technically we could go there, but uh, like realistically, we'll probably have a focus on, on on chemicals for a long, long time, and then maybe step also in 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 metals due to the fact of interest from the automotive industry, where obviously a lot of metals will be used. Sure, no, thank you. Are there any subsidies for for this from the EU or or any other subsidies? To, to subsidize such type of initiatives yeah i mean uh, that's that's why i'm here like <laughs> i would not be, uh, be able to, to do this uh, without the grants that we have received from the european commission mm-hmm. that we keep receiving obviously this ties really well with the circular economy agenda with the um, um, maybe you're sure you're, you're familiar with uh, critical materials or the whole independency agenda as well from europe where majority of the materials that we source are now coming from China and other regions and uh, we're literally buying them because we're super dependent on these materials as as Mm -hmm. being Europe but at the same time we're not really recycling any of those materials so any initiative that could help get transparency in what what we're exactly buying Mm -hmm. and where and how we can recycle those materials is, is, is very welcome so yeah the majority of the things that we do are right now funded by different grants at commission level all right, perfect. We've got a slightly technical question. Teresa is asking in relation to the max mass balance issue. Do you have an opinion on book and claim where there's no physical connection between the input and output? I confess I don't know what book and claim means. It, it's the same as certificate trading. So okay. we are against that for this specific use case. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is that so I mean to 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 say 
this product, let's say uh, in, in, in invitation, it was a shoe I was holding, my, my shoe, which is supposedly made from uh, recycled uh, polyurethane. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it's been used in, in, in the creation of that shoe. It's one thing to say this shoe might contain recycled polyester in a mass balance approach because we have you know checked every single supplier and we know their input, we know their output. So the only thing that they have could have done is bought buy the material but not use it. But the material was definitely bought because it's you know proven on a mass mm -hmm. balance approach. It's a whole different thing to say somewhere in the world somebody did something with recycled polyurethane and now we're claiming that even though it has like zero uh, touch points with the product you're buying which is the case with certificate trading and, and book mm -hmm. and claim basically where somebody can book it you know i can book that i've bought a forest and somebody else can claim that they're now you know helping the mm -hmm. world by me booking having a forest or by buying a forest which is you know in some cases, even mass balance is not enough for some some brands where they want to, you know, make a claim of poly, you know, using recycled materials, and and they want to really have that one to one claim. In other cases, that is something they, they they accept. But we have seen almost no cases where book and claim is accepted mm -hmm. by brands where they say. Well, in terms of carbon emissions, that is usually accepted. But in terms of really showing that this material consists of recycled content, mm -hmm. that's not really accepted so far uh, we have, that we have seen. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Who pays for the blockchain as, as a service other than the grants that you, you mentioned that have been funding it thus far? You mean who pays for, like, what is our business model? How, how we earn yeah, money? Yeah, so that's, 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 I think, what the question was. Uh, so is the business model of us, not sure if we can have a see a slide here, but the the way we work is that let's say you have this example. Oops, this example chain mm -hmm. where there is a product here, and then that product consists of a three D printed part, an injection molded part, and that part consists of a compound and eventually a polymer. You see that there are four places where the traceability started, namely a polymer, a resin, and two types of raw material. Mm -hmm. And all other points were just, you know, passing the torch basically all the way to the final product. And we charge a fee for a kilogram of material that is made traceable. So at the very start upstream part, mm -hmm. where the, the the polymer is now made uh, made traceable, made transparent with our with our technology, and because the value of that polymer now increases because of that added transparency and added, added data, we also share in that increase of value. So we, 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 we charge a small fee per kilogram of material that has been made traceable. And once it's traceable, all other parties can, can get access to that mm -hmm. uh, for free, obviously with certain limits, but yeah. Cool, no, thank you. And whether we're coming up on time, what's next for you guys? Uh, I mean, I know you're on a big hiring spree at the moment, looking for devs and cryptographers. What's next? What's the next year looking like for you? And um, uh, just one one question for me, actually. How much has coronavirus affected the the demand for sustainable recycled plastic? Has has that increased? Has that been hampered? Well, what effects has that had? I would say it's twofold. Like on on Corona side, we do we we got the opportunity to speak with a lot of companies. 
over Zoom, where, mm -hmm. where previously they would never accept like a Zoom call. That would, that would, that would almost be insulting to them. Sure. Like you want to do a large deal, why, why aren't you flying over? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but so that that's a good thing. Obviously, we don't have to like fly all over the world anymore. Levels of playing field that you can afford. Yeah, to we can meetings. access to a high level people over a Zoom call, which mm -hmm. was previously really not a, not a thing, especially in, in like the chemical industry where it's like very conservative, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then the other thing is that we have seen a number of companies halting their like innovation, right? So to say, we're, we're not going to do anything in 2020 anymore. So I would say it's not too bad. It's maybe like 10% of the conversation, 20% of the conversation, whether it's, it's, it's that, like that, but overall it's been, it's been good. I, th I think it's, it's definitely not a lot worse than we have, uh, than, than we, than we hoped this year to be. So it's, uh, we can't, we can't complain. And then on, on, on what's next, I think, yeah, we're, we're really hiring and, and getting the product from, from this stage where it is right now to a very scalable production ready stage. And in the meanwhile, we're, we're developing this, this, this open protocol. So mm -hmm. I, th I think in the coming years, we're going to see a large uptake in certain parts of the industry, probably mm -hmm. automotive, where we're going to see a lot of companies joining the system as it's maturing as well as uh, getting more traction on that open protocol site mm -hmm. where we hopefully will see some other commercial implementations tying you know into ours and 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 push this open agenda where they all communicate with each other in a, mm -hmm. in a similar fashion as other internet protocols so uh, uh, everyone thank you very very much for joining this thank you so much for that so thank you so much for that and last of all thank you also very much to to tracer for sponsoring this Tech for Sustainability series. So they're a connected value chain platform supporting the, my Zoom, supporting the, the diamond industry, fostering innovation and ensuring sustainable business practice and consumer trust in the diamond industry to provide provenance, traceability and authenticity of natural diamonds and helping the local economies where they're mined. So anyone can find out more at community.tracer.com. That's T-R-A-C-R. So thank you very much to, to Tracer. Ms. Thank you, Eric, Evening. for having me. And also uh, thank you for uh, the engaging conversation with everybody in this call. I'm looking forward to connecting afterwards and seeing uh, what we can do together.